Well, today we begin a brand new series. I think everyone can agree with the importance of it when you hear it. We've all been in a place where we needed to be reminded of what we're going to speak about in this series. And in the cases where we have forgotten what we're going to speak about, we've fallen into despair. That's why remembering what we learn is so important. Oh, yes, it is. Remember what you learn. Today, we're going to look at a man who found himself in a very threatening and intimidating situation. Oh, yeah, it wasn't good. When you see this situation, you're going to say, well, I'm glad that wasn't me. (laughs) I say I'm glad that wasn't me. But the good news is he knew something. He knew what we're going to learn in this series. And you know what that is? God is in control. Oh, we need to learn God is in control. Maybe you need to say that right now, right where you are, so you can hear it from you. God is in control. Now, we're going to be in Daniel chapter 6, in verse 1, where it seemed good to Darius. Darius was the king. To appoint 120 satraps over the kingdom, that they would be in charge of the whole kingdom. Now, a satrap, we'll call him a prince. Okay? So, it's like he appointed 120 princes to rule the kingdom. Why? Because the kingdom was getting so large. Darius needed a larger government to help rule the kingdom. So, over them, verse 2, there were three commissioners of whom Daniel was one. That these satraps might be accountable to them, and that the king might suffer no loss. So he appoints 120 princes and then three commissioners over them, and Daniel is one of the commissioners. Commissioner, we'll call him a president, like a president over a uh, prince, and Darius was the king. Now, Darius had a wonderful opportunity, not Darius, Daniel, these two names mixed up. Daniel had a wonderful opportunity to do something great with his life. Remember now, he's a politician, okay? Unlike many politicians today, Daniel seized the opportunity and did something great. (laughs) Verse 3. Then this Daniel began, ooh, distinguishing himself among the commissioners and the satraps because he possessed an extraordinary spirit. Daniel started standing out from the rest. Oh, he was like shining. And the king, you know what the king did? He planned to appoint him over the entire kingdom. Oh, Darius liked Daniel so much in his wisdom that he put him in charge of even the other commissioners and the presidents. And you know what happened? Human nature stepped in. Oh, the depraved human nature. The other satraps or the other princes and the commissioners, they became very jealous of Daniel. 
He was performing better than they were, and after all, he was a, wait, a foreigner. This guy's a foreigner. And they, he's, a, he's being appointed above us. So you know what they did? They devised a scheme so they would be rid of him. And it's funny. Daniel was known by everyone to be a godly man. So they used his godliness against him. And in verse 7, all the commissioners of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps, the high officials and the governors, they all consulted together, obviously without Daniel. And they came up with a plan. And they said, the king should establish a statute and enforce an injunction that anyone who makes a petition to any god or man besides you, O king, for thirty days shall be cast into the lion's den. Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it may not be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which may not be revoked. Now, believe it or not, <laughs> Darius thought this was a good idea. <laughs> I'm like, Darius, well, where's your head? That's a good idea. Nobody can pray to anybody except me for the next month. Darius said, yeah, man, I like that. Okay. <laughs> See what ego will do? Now, Daniel knew the document was signed and that it became law. Daniel also knew that he had been set up. So what did he do? He did what he always does. He went over to his window, faced Jerusalem, and continued to pray three times a day. You know what he didn't do? He didn't go in the corner of the house where no one could see him and pray. Because he didn't do that before. He always prayed by the window. And you know what? He ain't changing. Daniel is not going to let anything or anyone interfere with his relationship with God. Oh, what a great lesson that is. Don't let anyone interfere with your relationship with God. As one writer said, it is not a question of a positive sin, which he will not commit, but of a positive duty, which he will not omit. I like that. Daniel has a routine, and prayer is in that routine. And he's not going to break the routine, no matter what. He's not going to do it. You know what he's got? It's called conviction. Conviction means I stand firm in what I believe, no matter what. I'm not bending. I'm not changing. Oh, we need people like that today. We get a lot of people bending, bending their convictions. They say something that's right and good, and then they get some flack from others and they take it back. They renege on it. Daniel wasn't like that. Daniel had backbone. That's what we need today. We need people with backbone. And by the way, you know, sometimes in the pictures we see Daniel as an old man. He's not old. In this particular time of his life, he's not in his old age. This type of godliness that Daniel has should be the norm for someone who's walked with the Lord most of their life. But Daniel, he's a youngster, and he's got this kind of 
conviction. Wow. We knew that right off the bat when he was taken from Jerusalem and brought to Babylon by Nebuchadnezzar. We knew that. Now, the satraps had an aha moment. They looked up. They saw Daniel praying by the window. And they said, aha, now we got him. We're going to get rid of him. And they ratted him out to King Darius. Now, King Darius, he liked Daniel. He did. And he tried to find a way to get Daniel out of this. But the trace, the satrap said, hey, you signed it, king. And now you have to do it. So perhaps this is where even King Darius knew more than some Christians do today. Because you know what King Darius said? The king gave orders, and Daniel was brought in, cast into the lion's den, and then the king spoke. And here's what he said to Daniel. Daniel, your God, whom you constantly serve, will himself deliver you. Man, Darius knew that. He had faith. We have to have that same kind of faith in our lives. God will deliver. His way, oh, maybe not our way, but his way. So Daniel's thrown into this lion's den. Now, the ancient lion's den had two openings. One was a ramp. A lion's den was underground. And one was a ramp by which the lions would be led in and out to go into the arena. But the other opening was a hole at the top where food would be dropped down, and then a stone would be put over the hole. So in verse 17, a stone was brought and laid over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the signet rings of his nobles. Wow. So that nothing would be changed in regard to Daniel. Oh, they're good. Everybody had to get on board on this one. They all stamped it with their rings, so nobody could come. See, several parties of signed rings, or signet rings, were used to authorize the sealing of the stone. So one party couldn't come and rescue Daniel. You know, everybody had to be in on this. It was like, this is it, man. Daniel, you are done. The show's over for you, buddy. The whole country's against you. Everybody. Well, so they put Daniel in the lion's den. And you know, King Darius, he was up all night. He couldn't sleep. He liked Daniel. He didn't eat, nor did he watch TV. He didn't call for any entertainment. He he probably had a worse night than Daniel did. (laughs) I would say that. Would you say that? I would say King Darius had a worse night than Daniel did. And we'll see why. So at dawn, he gets up and he runs to the lion's den. And in verse 20, he came near the den to Daniel and he cried out with a troubled voice. Oh, the poor guy. He's in rough shape mentally, emotionally. He knew he was tricked. And the king spoke and said, Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God. Has your God, whom you constantly serve, been able to deliver you from the lions? 
So he's really concerned. He really is. And then Daniel spoke to the king. And Daniel said, You dirty rat. How could you do this to me? (laughs) No, he didn't say that. He didn't say anything like that. You know what he said? Oh, king, live forever. Say, wow, how did he say that? When you know you're in the hands of God, you always have a good attitude. Think about that. When you know you're in God's hands, why would you have a bad attitude? You have a good attitude. He survived the night with the lions. He came through. So he's like, king, live forever. You're the man, all right. (laughs) You know, and, and think about that. Yes, we go through some very difficult times in life. We do. But when you're in God's hands, you don't have to take on a negative spirit. You don't have to. Be positive. Be with the Lord. And then Daniel said, My God, I like that. He didn't say God. He said, My God. He is so personal with God. He is. Are you that personal? Are you that personal with God? I hope so. Where it's like, My God. You know, that's a, you know, Darius even recognized that. Remember Darius said, has your God, whom you constantly serve, been able to deliver you? Darius knew how tight Daniel and God were. And that's why Daniel could say, yeah, my God, that's right. He sent his angel. He shut the lion's mouth. They haven't harmed me. Not at all. And you know why? Because I was found innocent before God. And also toward you, O king. I have committed no crime. See, when you do the right thing, it's not a crime. You might be punished for doing the right thing, but you're not punished for committing a crime. And there's a difference. I would rather be punished for doing the right thing than be punished for committing a crime. Because a crime means I'm wrong, I blew it, I'm stupid. But doing the right thing means, hey, you know what? I'm living in a world of darkness. And my faith is being tried. It's okay. And it's the right thing to do. That's what we need to do, folks. We need a, we need a generation of people that do the right thing. They don't cave. They don't renege. They don't throw out their beliefs. They do the right thing. And whatever consequences that brings, so be it. So be it. It's not about comfort. It's about conviction. Oh, people can live in their comfort and make no difference in the world. As a matter of fact, let the world get worse. Or they can live in their conviction and keep this world from rotting away. We need people to live in their convictions and stand up for them. And whatever comes, comes. That's okay. That's what this nation is built on. It's built on people that had conviction and they put their lives on the line. And some never came back and some did. We have wonderful men and women fighting for freedom all over the world. They have conviction. Some come back and some don't. 
that's what conviction does. Conviction preserves. And we need people like that. So Daniel said, hey, I didn't do anything wrong. And then this made King Darius very happy. Oh yeah, his friend was, he survived the night. So Daniel was taken out of the den, and the Bible says, no injury whatever was found on him, because he trusted in his God. Those lions, they didn't do anything. They didn't. They couldn't do anything. Maybe they nuzzled up to him. I don't know. But you know what happened after that? Then the king gave orders for those satraps, those dirty satraps. Uh Uh-oh, and their wives and children. And they threw them into the lion's den. Holy smokes. You see, when you sin, you never sin to yourself. When you sin, it hurts other people too. And the sin of these satraps, it affected their wives and their children. That's why we have to be very smart. Don't think, oh, it's my sin. No, no, it's not. People that love you will suffer. People that care about you will hurt. Nobody sins to themselves. There's always casualties, collateral damage. So keep that in mind. That's why sin is always way too costly. Oh, yes, it is. It's way too costly. It is not worth it. It's the worst thing to purchase because you always pay too much. So two things I want us to see today. Number one, God is in control. No doubt about it. And secondly, everything he does is for his namesake. We saw that God is in control because though Daniel was thrown into a very difficult situation, God kept him safe. That's good. But then secondly, everything is for his namesake because, and this is what happened in verse 26, the king said, I make a decree that in all the dominion of my kingdom, men are to fear and tremble before the God of Daniel. I'm like, whoa! For he is the living God and enduring forever. And his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. And his dominion will be forever. Wow. You see, Daniel lived in his conviction. And he was in the will of God. And good things happened. Good things happened. People that were lost were found. People that were pagans became believers in the one true God. Because of one man. See, one man affected who? The whole kingdom. The whole kingdom. I'm like, what? Yes. The whole kingdom. And the king said, this God, Daniel's God, he delivers and rescues and performs signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. Who has also delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. Oh, man, they knew the power of the lions. The lions, they're big and strong, and they got sharp teeth. Are you kidding? The only lion I ever want to get close to is a stuffed lion. <laughs> a pet, you know, a little stuffed one. That's all. 
So Darius had a wake-up call here because of Daniel. So what does the story teach us? The story teaches us that there can never be an emperor so mighty that he's not under the control of the only true God. See, God, God is over everybody. There's no one over God. No one. That emperor will serve God's purposes for God's glory, whoever he is. You know, we look at the world, the, the rulers in the world today. Some of them, they're doing a good job. Some, they're doing a terrible job. We don't like them. But you know what? They're serving God's glory. God will use them. God will use them, bad or good. Doesn't matter to him. You know why? God is in control. That's why we have to sit back. Sit back as we watch things crumble right before our eyes. God is in control. Hang on to Jesus. That's all. It's the best thing you can do. Like that little lady that reached through the crowd and hung on to his garment till she was healed. Oh, you grab on. Don't let go. There's nothing else will hold you up. Nothing. Not anything you have. Not any government, any economy, not anything will hold you up except the Lord Jesus himself. Hang on with everything everything you've got. Now, what did I say? The emperor will serve God's purposes for God's glory. And Darius certainly did. Now, let's remove the word emperor and put something else there. Let's put the word trial. The trial will serve God's purposes. Hmm. Think about that and bring him glory. How about the word sickness? The sickness will serve God's purposes and bring him glory. How about the word heartache? The heartache will serve God's purposes and bring him glory. How about the word disappointment? The disappointment can serve God's purposes and bring him glory. Put anything there you want. Because God is in control. Now, things might not turn out your way or my way, but it will certainly turn out His way. And that's the important thing. That's what we have to understand. It's got to turn out God's way. Perhaps it may not be, verse 22, that will demonstrate we know that God is in control, where God sent an angel to shut the lion's mouth. Maybe it might not be that for us. Rather, it may be verse 26. For he is the living God and enduring forever. And his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. And his dominion will be forever. So, verse 22 is not for everyone. But, verse 26 certainly is. It's about the kingdom the kingdom of God. See, I think God is more interested in where he's bringing us. He's bringing us home. He's going to bring you home. He's bringing us home one at a time, one by one. Oh, when one goes, it's sad. It hurts. We'll see next time. God brought one home, a brother of two sisters. It's very sad. It hurt. But this is what he does. God can't get us to heaven until he gets us out of here. <laughs> That's true. Too bad he doesn't just take us all at once, huh? 
Well, he will one day in the rapture. When the rapture comes, we're all going up, whenever that might be. We don't know when. But the, the thought we want to keep today is God. He is in control. I'm not saying he controls all things, but he is in control. And there's a difference. He doesn't, I, I, I wouldn't say he controls all things because we have a free will and we make a lot of our own choices, but he's still in control of everything. In other words, we can't inhibit the plans of God. We can't. We can't shipwreck God. Because God is in control. He knows the outcome. He knows where he's bringing us. And you know, that's where we can rest in our faith. That's the whole intention. This is why we learn the scriptures. So we can rest and rest in God. And the things that are beyond our control. And yeah, the things that we don't understand, which are many. And the things that we question. Sometimes there are no answers. At least down here. Sometimes an answer only brings up another question. But faith settles the issue. Faith says, okay, I'm going to trust God. Thank you, God, I was delivered. Thank you, God, I wasn't delivered, but I'm in your dominion forever. There's no reason not to be thankful to God. There's no reason. Because there's always going to be a glorious outcome for his people. Are you his people? Uh, Seriously, do you really believe that Jesus is your Savior? And does your life show it? I think that's the way. I think that's how we can tell. That our life reveals that we are followers of Christ. Not just head knowledge. Not just that we can win an argument. But that we are truly followers of Jesus Christ. And if you know that about your life, you're in a good place. Oh, you certainly are. And you can live in the benefit that God is in control. It's a good thought to live with, isn't it? Oh, it certainly is. Because if he wasn't in control, who would be? (laughs) Nobody good. That's for sure. There'd be no certainty. At the end of it all, there'd be no certainty. But now there is a certainty. You know why? Because God is in control. I'm so glad he is. I'm glad no one else is. I'm even glad I'm not. I mess it up too. Oh yeah, big time. (laughs) I'm glad God is in control. Give him control of your life. Watch the good job that he does with it.